This morning's first reading comes in the latter part of the book of the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 58, verses 1 through 9a, the first phrase in that verse. Listen now for what the Holy Spirit is saying to you and to the church today. Shout out, do not hold back, lift up your voice like a trumpet. Announce to my people their rebellion, to the house of Jacob their sins. Yet day after day they seek me and delight to know my ways, as if they were a nation that practiced righteousness and did not forsake the ordinance of their God. They ask, me of, righteous, they ask of me righteous judgments. They delight to draw near to God. Why do we fast? But, do, but you do not see. Why humble ourselves, but you do not notice? Look, you serve your own interest on your fast day and oppress all your workers. Look, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to strike with a wicked fist. Such fasting as you do today will not make your voice heard on high. Is such the fast that I choose, a day to humble oneself? Is it to bow down the head like a bulrush and to lie in sackcloth and ashes? Will you call this a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the fast that I choose, to loose the bonds of injustice, to undo the thongs of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke? Is, not, is it not to share your bread with the hungry and to bring the homeless poor into your house? When you see the naked to cover them, and not to hide yourself from your own kin. Then your light shall break forth like a dawn, and your healing shall spring up quickly. Your vindicator shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry for help, and he will say, Here I am. The word of the Lord. Amen. Our second scripture reading this morning comes to us from the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. Let's listen again for a word from God. When I came to you, brothers and sisters... I did not come proclaiming the mystery of God to you in lofty words or wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I came to you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. My speech and my proclamation were not with plausible words of wisdom, but with a demonstration of the spirit and of power so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on the power of God. Yet, among the mature, we do speak of wisdom, though it is not the wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are doomed to perish. But we speak of God's wisdom, secret and hidden, which God decreed before the ages of our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had... They would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But, as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, 
nor human heart conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For a human being knows what is what human being knows what is truly human, except for the human spirit that is within. So also no one comprehends what is truly God's, except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit that is from God, so that we may understand the gifts bestowed on us by God. The Word of the Lord. Will you pray with me? God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I was angry with God. She and I were not speaking. At least that's what I thought as I cursed her name. No, I talk now. You listen. You have done enough. You did nothing. I was angry at God for the brokenness of the world, for the world that kept breaking, and for my friends who had not survived it. They believed you. I believed you. You did not save them. They are still gone. I was angry at God. But not on Sunday morning. Because worship isn't rage, they told me, as I drowned. Don't be angry, they said. God will be with you. Feel something else. Lay down your rage. I was angry at God. And the more I said it, the more I felt like a toddler throwing a cosmic tantrum. Still, I wondered... Where can my fury live if I cannot bring it to the foot of the throne? I was angry at God because rage was keeping me alive, keeping me sharp and safe and marching in the streets. Tears of fury, tears of loss and fear mixed with glitter streaming down my face as I marched. I was angry, and God was right there next to me at the march. Her sign said, not one more, and I had a picture of my friends. We grieve together. We grieve alone, and church is more than walls on Sunday. Why do we fast, but you do not see? Why humble ourselves when you do not notice? That is a really relatable prayer. Dear God, what am I getting out of this? Why isn't this working? Why isn't everything perfect yet? Where is God? Can't God see everything I'm doing right? Those words might be in Isaiah, but I think a lot of them resonate here today for us. But the people in Isaiah 
to whom this prophecy is given, are still in exile. They are waiting for a promised restoration, for a divine response. And they are sure they are doing everything right. They seek God and delight to know in God's way, know God ways. They ask of God righteous judgment, and they delight to draw near to God. They are so ready, so confident, so sure they addressed the issues that got them to this place. Surely you'll answer us now, God. Surely this is enough. Do you need me to bow? To, to wear sackcloth for a day? To contemplate ashes for a period? Done. See? I did what you asked. Now it's your turn. Are, are, we, are you here yet? Are you fixing it? Where is God? <laughs> but rather than a cookie or a pat on the head an affirmation, or a cosmic reward, God responds by asking, are you kidding me? Have you looked around? Have you looked in the mirror? Look at your business model. Look at your contracts. You strive for accolades. You jockey for position. Even your prayers are a competition. And you think, this is what I want? This is the thing that is acceptable to me? Why do you ask, where is God with your eyes closed and your ears plugged? Why would I delight in that kind of suffering? Because as it turns out, the people asking this question aren't the only ones likely asking, where is God? Like I said, it's a relatable prayer. If you've ever been hungry, having one of those weeks where the paycheck didn't stretch far enough and neither did what was on sale at the supermarket. If you've ever been trapped by circumstance, powerless and so clear that nobody was coming. If you've ever wondered how you were going to pay the rent or fill up the gas tank and understood that there is a balance to be struck between those two things, or slept in your car, or piled all the blankets on the bed, praying for heat you know isn't going to turn on, so you leave the stove to simmer, or you find room amidst the piles for the space heater you've been turned down for the job, the promotion, or not even considered because of who you are, or fired for any of those reasons, if you've put off the doctor because the bill didn't feel doable and frankly the debt was already crushing, if you've laid in bed screaming in your brain, get up, do anything, while the color drains from the world and you wonder if anyone even cares. You have likely wondered, where is God? Why doesn't God come and save me? I want to be clear that this is not a sermon about theodicy, that grand ancient question of why God lets bad things happen. But I do think it's a challenge to that framework in 
some circumstances. Another way to read God's response to the people praying in all the right ways is, why do you assign me blame without first considering yourself? Where is your brother? Where is your neighbor? Where is the one who was lost? You are so quick to pray for freedom, says God, to expect a reward. But there is no point in freedom if you are going to take the bondage with you. Where is God, we ask. Here I am, says God. I am here with the poor, the struggling, the hungry, the unhoused. Here I am, says God, with the crucified. And not only am I with them, I am them. If you want to be close to the presence of God, the kingdom of God, the fullness and strength and thriving of God, you must seek out the crucified. Stand in solidarity with them. Ask what created these conditions and then take action to change those conditions. If we look at suffering and say, oh, well, that person deserved it, or, I mean, it was kind of their fault, and then we come to church and we say, thank God that I am not like them, and also, God, here's what I need for me. What good is that to God? There is no kingdom come while we continue to guard its gates so that only the right people, the smart people, the successful people, and the people who make us comfortable can be in it. None of us are free until all of us are free. Where is God? My friend Brian, who is in the ordination process with me, met me for beers one Sunday, and as we were catching up, he told me about his internship. He's been working with an uh, outreach program in New York City, not Midnight Run, but a, another one, helping uh, folks who are housing insecure. And he told me about how many people he talked to every day and how housing was only one of the issues they faced. But the thing he told me that really stuck with me is he said, Graham, every day I go into Penn Station to seek out those folks, to talk with them, sit with them, hold space for their stories. And to me, the kingdom of God is Penn Station. When I walk in, I think, this is the heart of God. I find that incredibly challenging, and I'm so grateful for his word to me, because I don't always want to stop in Penn Station. The challenge of our text today is that if we withdraw from the suffering of others, 
if we're not willing to be uncomfortable or challenged, then we are also withdrawing from God who is with them, who is also with us. Where is God? God is here. For where two or more are gathered in my name, I am there among them. But God is not only here. God is there as well. And if we want God's kingdom on earth, then we must believe that that kingdom is for everyone and reach out accordingly. We live together. We are not alone. And church is more than words on Sunday. May it be so. Amen.